Welcome to Married to Movies. Industry insiders John Russell and Tracy Kring live and work happily in cinematrimony. They're sharing behind-the-scenes adventures of writing, producing, and appreciating films. Good morning, babe. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I love you, babe. I love you, babe. Let's tell them what our names are. Oh, names. Good idea. We actually started over because okay, we forgot our names. We're just going to do it. <laughs> One exactly, and, and then this will be part of it too. We can't. We we are so, we are not fake people. If people out there like are like, oh, they're so fake. I love it. We're I love not. it. How, I love it how you take our inadequacy and you turn it into a strength. It is a strength. <laughs> exactly. My name's Tracy. My name's John. And this is married, married to, to movies. movies. See, that's the most fake thing we can do. Yeah, pretty much. But you joined. I didn't mean for that to happen. I think it would be funny if we, I joined um, in. We're going to talk about what being are we a husband about? and wife filmmaking team. We're going to talk about watching movies. Yes. And we're going to talk about our breakfast right now. Yes, exactly. Which we're going to eat breakfast the whole time. Right now we're eating a, a different version of a banana pancake than we've had before. Well, we didn't have peanut butter. We so didn't have peanut butter. We're just having that. But this works better. Well, it, it did, but I did put a little flour in it. It felt, it felt too loose. Mm-hmm. I just put like a couple tablespoons of flour in it. Mm-hmm. But uh, we got some fruit on top, some strawberries and oranges, and our new favorite, really, whipped cottage cheese. And whipped if you're not cheese. whipping your cottage cheese, just leave. Get out of here. We don't want you on our podcast. Yeah, it, yeah, it absolutely. I've never been a person who liked cottage cheese, but when you whip it, I. You got don't, to whip it, don't. whip it, whip it, right? I knew, I knew <laughs> I'm sorry. that was coming. Hey, it could have been Devo, okay? I went more with the Gap Band. That's a little bit of a deeper cut. Let it whip. Um, whip it, baby. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. I have my, to keep going. I'm my so, face. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Forgive my me. My face is one of those, like, yeah. blank, blanky faces. Yeah, yeah the, the, the blank, yes. Okay. Uh, the other thing is with your cottage cheese, you put some sugar in it. And basically, or you're sweetener, whatever. right. You're putting, you're you're creating a variation on whipped cream. Yeah, it's right. delicious. Yeah, it really is. And it has a little bit of protein for you because so, really, it's that protein that's going to keep you, you know, full so for I'm, longer. I'm sure you're glad you've been listening to this uh, podcast about movies where we've done nothing but Hold talk on. about I'm gonna breakfast. Give you, I'm going to give you some ASMR <laughs> right now. This is the. Doesn't that sound good? The bowl that the cottage cheese, the whipped cottage cheese is in. It's one of these little black cauldrons from the Mexican restaurant, you, and I didn't steal it. What do you think about ASMR, Tracy? You know, I kind of like ASMR. Oh, Lord, but I do not like those girls who just go... I, they're, they're hot. They're, yeah, really? They're, they're, they're kind of hot. Yeah, oh, yeah. I can do that for you later. I remember back in the day when I was a single man, okay... And you would uh, get on the phone with a, pretty much any girl. Just like any girl, any random girl, and a girl at a pizza hut, uh, the girl who's doing your phone surveys, any girl. And you would flirt with her. And you would convince yourself because of the sound of her voice that she was hot and she, uh, she wanted to date you and you were going to make babies together. This is what happens when you're a single man. You basically live in delusion constantly. I feel like that prepared you for a life of film. That's true. That's a really good transition, babe. Nicely done. (laughs) We're getting good at this. 
We got an email. Oh, yeah, the email morning. you got this morning. Film Haas. So. <laughs> if, if we end up doing it, every Phil time we Haas. save it, Film Haas Moss. <laughs> Would you actually pull up the email? Because I have to say, maybe festivals are really like. Maybe they're up in their game. No, maybe they're, <laughs> yeah, they're hurting for submissions. I don't know, but. I mean, I could swear this is a personalized email. I could swear I it's it AI. is. Oh, shit. It could be AI, which I you love. You could be right. Because they talk about okay. how touched you should be. Wait. <laughs> it, okay. Hold on. Something we didn't get to yesterday. Oh, really? Well, My point about film festivals I was going to make, which was the festival, uh, the Appalachian Film Festival, where we had two mil movies there. Yes. We actually went home. And the thing that usually never happens, happened. We got a call from a distributor, and they wanted to distribute the films. We conferred with our producer. Yes. If it was that easy to get a distribution offer, they must just be growing on trees. Yeah. Wor worst advice ever. God love you, Dad. Uh, you're in heaven right now, and I can tell you that was the worst advice you've ever given me. I mean, and that's saying something, because you gave me some really bad advice uh, <laughs> at different points. But, but, <laughs> but the the thing the thing is, I I don't I don't think that ruined our career. No, I think it just put off the inevitable of like learning how sometimes distribution is sometimes not the answer. Some <laughs> <laughs> sometimes distribution. No, the thing the the thing about distribution or at our particular level, which is when we're talking about movies that do not have. Uh, star power. There were two, I, in, in my view, there were two reasons people watch a movie. Okay. They watch a movie for who's in the movie. You know, you're like scanning through and you're going, who's in that? Oh, I know them. Oh, that's interesting. I've seen them in things before that I like. Or, so that's just a snake eating its tail. That's like, that's popular movies getting uh, other movies popular. Or it just sounds so interesting that you want to check it and out. And that's the other reason. You know, where and that usually falls under the category of genre. You know, because, you know, it's just like, I like this kind of movie, therefore I want to see this kind of movie. Mm -hmm. Right. So did you find it? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Okay. Hey, John. Guten Morgen. And sending positive vibes from Berlin. I'm blankety blank. The main scouter for Film Haas. It's my responsibility to get submissions and make recommendations to the jury. And I think Girl in the Palms is a very film house. Film house. It is very film house from the little I've seen. It looks amazing. We are big on underground and low budget cinema. I first discovered it on Film Freeway. And from there, I've been researching you a little. But to clarify, I haven't managed to study it beyond its marketing materials and accolades so far. Would you be interested in presenting it to our jury... And bringing Girl in the Palms to Berlin. I hope... Now, Now this is where I question if it's AI. Okay. Or something. Okay. I hope my email feels a little more personable and genuine than most. Ha ha. Can you look at our festival? Why? Because it made a bad joke? Uh, hold on. Um... I, uh, can you check out with your producer and see if you're interested in competing? I can offer you a big discount code. I hope my invitation at a cheaper entry can extend your wild ride with your film. I think you deserve it. Because I'm scouting directly, there's a refund guarantee if you don't make it to at least the shortlist. Let me know if I have brightened your day and if I can share at least more information with you. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
<laughs> we live in the future, folks. We can't it, tell who's real, what's real. The robots have taken over, and no, and they're not. and they're very uh, pleasant. Well, I I'm just gonna <laughs> say like if that that should be the fe- the the future of how uh, film festivals work, because you feel like you've already been vetted somewhat, right? And that is a good feeling. You feel like okay, I'm gonna actually spend my money to enter that. Well, and the fact that he told us that there was a refund if we don't uh, make it through the first round. I mean, that's that that's almost like there's no risk. Right. That tells me, obviously, you're going to make it through the first round. That, that's Unless what there's that tells 10 me. rounds. Yeah, exactly. That's what that tells me. That tells me, oh, this is you getting my money because you're going to make me feel good. Th- this whole thing is such an ego stroke. I'm involved with a film festival, as I talked about yesterday, okay? The thing about film festivals that not everyone who's not in the know is not aware of is the film festivals used to be a very exclusive thing. There used to be, I don't know, a thousand or two thousand film festivals worldwide. There's like so many. Oh my God. There there are probably uh, between 25,000 and up. I don't even know how many film festivals there are worldwide now almost every major city in the country and possibly in the world has at least one film festival and most and the biggest cities have you know a dozen new york city on its own has about 100 film festivals oh, probably probably one thing that i'll give you as a tip to entering film festivals because assuming monthly ones <clears throat> No. Yeah, no, no, that's what I'm saying. Don't enter the monthly film festivals. Oh, the monthly, whatever. It, it's just a, it's a laurel. One, I, I don't hold out for big festivals. The thing that nobody really talks about is that to get into Sundance, you know, mm-hmm. to get into some of these big, big ones. We got a story about that. Well, there. What, <laughs> you, what you need to understand is like they're kind of programmed out in, in advance. Years. Years in advance. The studio system, you know, whenever they decide, oh, this film needs festival cred, you know, they get it in the queue. Sundance Institute. Sundance Lab. You go through the Sundance Institute. You go through the lab. You go through their process and you you might get, still, you might get into their festival. Um, But it's not, it's not what you think it is getting in. It's not, oh, I'm going to submit my film, somebody's going to sit there and watch it and think it's worthy to be shown in front of an audience. It's really not that. There's a lot of other elements that go into it. And there's a lot of other elements that go into getting, there's a lot of other elements that go into even getting judged to get an official selection. There there are are, uh, people who will tell you that they can get you in to the major festivals. And they'll make you pay them. They will make you pay. Yeah, and they're full of crap. Don't waste your time, you know? Um, okay. No one can get you in specifically to a film so festival. So I'll tell you a trick that I use, and probably a lot of people out there do, which is look at who's involved in the film festival. You know, is there a programmer on, on Film Freeway, or can you look at their website? Look at who's involved, and... Reach out to them individually. And maybe they hate this. I don't know. Screw them. They shouldn't have started a festival if they didn't want this to happen. (laughs) 
uh, reach out to them individually, send them a note, you know, hi, my budget for my film was very low. I don't have a huge film festival budget. Will you take a look at my trailer and tell me if it's even in the realm of possibility or if it fits in with your programming, you know, goals for this year? Some years festivals decide, oh, we want to go PG so that we can get people in the butts in the seats. Absolutely. You know? We don't want <clears throat> things that are too risky or too R. You know, uh, uh, maybe maybe they're skewing a certain way to like director writers that year. Who knows? I mean, just think of think of it like this, okay? A film festival is a organization that basically has been created to perpetuate itself. The film festival needs to make enough money this year so that they can continue to do it next year, and then the year following that. The way they do that is not to cater to filmmakers; it's to cater to film goers. Yeah, so bug them a little bit. Make them work for your money some, you mm -hmm. know? I mean, why enter... They're not doing you a favor. No. Now, I'm not saying you're doing them a favor by having your film there, but you're paying to have your film there. Well, you're paying a submission fee to have your film there, and they're making money off of the ticket sales. Now, let me, let me also tell you this, though. You know, laurels are valuable. Laurels are great. Okay, having all those laurels on your poster is wonderful. But other than that, the value of uh, getting into a film festival that you're not actually going to appear at is negligible. I agree. The real money in film festivals uh, goes to motels and rental car places and airlines. Because that, that's where you're spending all your real money. We have been in a few festivals where they gave us a screening fee. That was nice. That's that's shocking. I've been in a few film festivals that still owe me screening fees. Yeah. <laughs> but. Just do your research. I mean, is this a well-attended film festival? Do people, because it would be better to be in like a little burg, like, like the one uh, that we uh, did in uh, at Snowtown or the one that we did at Kakalaki. Or, or High Falls. Or High Falls or Appalachia. When it's, when it's like a, a really small city that is super excited to have a film festival. Yeah. They can be such a joy. But you know how much it sucks to sit in a theater and there to be like 10 people and you spent $500 to be there? It sucks. Don't do it. It's awful. <laughs> it's awful. And then the Q&A where you just want to run and hide in the bathroom. Yeah. You'd rather have like IBS than have to stand there and answer <laughs> well, I don't know about that, babe. That's, that's saying a lot. The Woodstock Film Festival is, there's a lot of celebrities that walk around. That's another thing. I bet. Yeah, you, you like go to Sundance and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, look, there's that person. And oh, look, there's that person. You know, and that, but let me just say this. This has nothing to do with filmmaking. All of those things have nothing to do with filmmaking. It it's more like going to Disney. You know, it you you can't think that it's if, a, yeah, if yeah. you can't think if if I go to Disney, Disney's going to discover me and I and I'm going to start working at Disney. That sounds crazy. Well, but that's just as crazy as if I go to a film festival and I see celebrities they're going to discover me and they're going to want to be in my movie and I'm and I'm going to start working for that with them. 
Well, I think go to film festivals and involve yourself in film festivals in in an honest way, in the right way. Get some laurels on your poster, you know. Go meet some meet some filmmakers, commiserate together, have some drinks. You know, just take a break from filmmaking. You think people are think we're jaded? Does that sound jaded? Do yes, we sound does. jaded? That sounded jaded. Okay, the but, Disney thing sounded jaded. <laughs> I think if you go and and you have realistic expectations, right? Then and you're not a film whore like Hound. You're not. You're not. You're not a fame whore. You know, I. You know, that's a really interesting term. Realistic expectations. I think. That's the problem because I don't think any expectations are realistic. We've already come up with this idea that we can have realistic expectations, but any form of expectation is not realistic. Well, it's just, I think it's saying, let's not let our imaginations go wild. Well, I mean, even the, Bible, even the Bible says hope deferred makes your heart sick. Yes, that's you know. true. So I feel like if you go into a situation where you're hoping for a certain thing to happen and it doesn't, it's going to make you feel bad. It's going to, especially if you're a healthy, you know, metered filmmaker where you are trying to balance ego and insecurity. And then that pendulum swings towards insecurity. Right. And that happens. That, that, that hope is deferred. And it does make you like, it makes people question, what am I even doing? I think that when you're an artist, okay, and you present something to the world, and, and I'm not using the pretentious terminology of artist. In my view, everyone is an artist. Everyone has an artist within them. If you put thought and effort into anything that you do, you can turn it into art because it's your version of it. You know, if you... <laughs> You know, making a cake, you know, changing oil, it doesn't make any difference. It can become your art. But when we share something that we believe is special and others sort of take it as, I didn't find that to be that special, is uh, that's always a very, very difficult place to put yourself in. Absolutely. I mean, it, and, and I feel like some people are like, their soul is crushed by it. Mm-hmm. And I've even been in a position where people have come to me for validation right. of their script. And this is why I don't give out script advice anymore. And I've been a little too soul-crushing. Soul and I've had my soul crushed before. I'm very, very wary of it because there are ways that you can say things. You know, I always say, find something there of value. Well, you should always say something positive. Preface, right. Preface something by saying something positive. Well, you did finish the script. And l let me not uh, shit on that idea. Anybody who actually finishes a script, man, that that is an incredible I will, accomplishment. I will tell you the exact It is feedback. so fucking hard. <laughs> I will tell you the exact feedback that I give that pisses people off so hard right and it's when oh no <laughs> i've gotten nasty emails back this is just about to take a turn folks no this whole thing this whole podcast is about to go hard when, left it's when <laughs> i point out to a male man male identifying person that boy 
that their script is a sausage fest and that they should consider turning one character or maybe more into a woman. And the easiest way to do that is to just change the name and the pronouns that they identify by. Thanks to our sponsor, Movie Mode Merch, the graphic t-shirt store to outfit you for your next film set. Be the person wearing the t-shirt everyone asks, hey, where'd you get that shirt? Cast and crew alike love these inside jokes and filmmaking-inspired designs. Check them out on Insta at Movie Mode Merch. They get all mad. They say, oh, well, you know, you're so woke. Oh, they didn't have men. Oh, they didn't have men. Yeah. And I'm not. Look, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, look. Okay. You can write a story any way that you want to write a story. And no one is going to say, why are there women in 1917 in World War One?" Well, I'm sure there were women somewhere we were there. in 1917 we were in World there. War One. Okay. We're Somewhere, somewhere there were. We're 50% of the damn population. Okay, so, but you decided that, well, yeah, you know, they're on the front lines. There's absolutely no way there was a woman there. What, we're there, could, nurses. there couldn't be a, yeah, there couldn't be a damn nurse. There couldn't be. We were a, wives. I mean, yeah. And, and don't even get me started on wives in movies. Where, oh, God. Where, if it's, if it's a sausage fest. We have maybe, a, jo- we have a joke about that. That it's all because it's from a movie where this guy, where uh, oh, this, this guy is trying to this, figure out this guy this is he's, military man. He's trying to he's trying to figure out like oh yeah, tomorrow I've got to go and I got to do this come mission. Up with a solution and to I've, this war. I got to figure I got to figure out how to bomb and, and save the woman, these people. Okay, hold on. And the woman comes in and she's like, oh god, you you have the most difficult decision and the most difficult you know, uh, conflict and, and challenge ahead of you. To, how will we ever stop this war? I'll make you a sandwich. They're making sandwiches. They're making fucking sandwiches! <laughs> they're making sandwiches. And, and there are parts, so many parts for women that are what we call... Sandwich makers. They're making sandwiches. They might as well be working a fucking subway. <laughs> Sweet onion chicken teriyaki bitch. <laughs> oh my it god. It was like, oh Ryan Ryan Gosling is out there saving the world. What's the woman doing? She she's working on a club. I'm she's working on a club. Putting some mayo on here. <laughs> it's like Ben Affleck has gotta go save the world. Alright, frying the bacon so I can make this BLT. Let's make him a BLT or, or maybe give him some water. That's right. Uh, uh, it happened in the post, too. If, you know, in the post. Hold on! when you're in New Orleans, in the they, make, they make mufaladas. Yeah, they make <laughs> po' boys. I got you a po' boy. Um, no, that, that's if the movie is a southern character. Yeah, they bring exactly. a po' boy and a mufalada. I was like, you want some gumbo? Yeah. Um, no, it happened in the fucking post. Mm-hmm. The 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 woman the the wife character of uh, of uh, Tom Hanks of Tom Hanks Tom Hanks the, all these brainiacs. This in is there. a movie with Meryl fucking Streep in it. All the brain and there is like one girl reporter in there. I'll I'll give them that. Oh uh, no 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 no! That girl reporter has one fucking scene where she is reading back the Supreme Court decision. Oh yeah, at the that's end, all she does. At the end, they're like, you know, her character really had no arc. Yeah, let's just have her, and she can like be kind of 
tearing up Wait, hold on. as who, the Supreme Court's decision is read. Who made the post? Uh, Ron Howard. Okay. No, or, or was it Steven Spielberg? Hold on. Alexa, who made the movie The Post? Forbidden.com. The post is a drama by director Steven Spielberg. Oh, it's Spielberg! I knew it. Oh, shit! I knew it. That's why I asked. And... Okay, Alexa, stop. And that is a movie that you would think was a female lead. You would think she was the most important character. I mean, she's one of the most important characters. Yes, absolutely. I would yeah, say the movie not. is centered around Meryl Streep. She's not, and I can prove it, because when everybody's going crazy and they don't have enough manpower to look through thousands of pages, instead of the wife coming in and helping, what does she do? She makes fucking sandwiches! She does make sandwiches. That's correct. It's, and what does the daughter do? She makes lemonade. Oh my God. And these are great actresses. This is that actress from uh, American Horror Story. Uh, the one, she she's a great actress. Uh, no, uh, shit. What's her name? I don't remember. I mean, what we're saying is that these are really wonderful actresses that are giving nothing to say. And nothing to do. Well, and I'm just telling you, as a person who will sometimes be forced to give feedback on scripts, I see the problem. I I point it out. And I'm the bad guy. But here's my opinion. And I should have pointed... I should If I'd have read the post, I'd have been like, you motherfucker. Well, okay. And, and Steven Spielberg would not have appreciated that. I, Steven Spielberg... One of my favorite directors. Absolutely. But it is our responsibility as creators and as writers to write the world the way the world is or the way the world we would like to see do you know the world how many, be. Do you know how many times I have confronted a male writer about this and I have gotten the response back? If they're good guys, if mm -hmm. they're honest guys and they don't just get pissed at me, they say, well, I don't know really how to write women like how oh, how god. would they say that oh my god and i'm like oh god no i mean it's it's 100 percent idiotic it is for you're, you're, for you for you to say sarah, sarah that paulson. Oh, sarah, sarah, paulson. sarah paulson is her name thank you for you yeah for you to say that i don't understand how to write women is saying i don't understand how to write people you know what i think it's worse i think it's it's an admission that you don't listen to women or that you don't care Or to that listen. you don't care what they say. Exactly. Because if you don't know how to write someone that is talking to you all the time, your wife, your mom, I'll give your you, grandma. I'll, I'll give you a wonderful example to me of a show that really understood its time. And I love the show Mad Men. Because the show Mad Men really splits its time between, you know... Two-thirds of, of, of that show are men, but they realized that the female storylines were some of the most interesting storylines in the show. Well, really, January Jones, uh, you know, and... Um, what an arc she goes through. Yeah, Jesus so Christ. Don, um, Don Draper's wife. What's her character name? Uh, uh, Bitsy. Okay, yeah. Betty. Yeah, Betty. Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, Betty. Yeah. Um, Betty and Peggy. Betty and, and Peggy. And Joan. Uh, Jones, absolutely. Are like a trifecta 
of uh, of like uh, kind of what women were in at that period of time and, and how they developed. They added Megan too to right. be like kind of the 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 younger voice. The new the new uh 60s, you know. But I would say between those four characters, almost mm. half of that show is female. By the end. Yeah, that's the thing. That show really and then they realized added in the daughter? Yeah, they really realized how compelling and interesting the female characters were. And that basically, you know, Don Draper's entire character and personality was built around uh, how women, he felt about women and how women felt about him. I mean, you know. I don't know. I don't know if Don Draper wasn't that good looking and landed all those women. I don't know what his confidence would have been because it was very much based off of that. And you see that start to erode in the last season. Anyway, I'm a huge Mad Men fan and we just finished rewatching all of the seasons yes. while I finished rewatching but them. But I'm, I'm just saying that to short sh- shrift all your female characters and have them basically reacting to everything well, I instead think, of having feelings and having opinions. Look, if you're sitting there right now and you have a script and there's maybe one or two women in the whole script. You have a problem. Well, look at your main characters and imagine them as a woman. It's very simple. You think it's going to upend your entire story? It won't. It won't. Just start by changing the names and changing everything from she to he and him to her. And see how that works. And see what happens. Why can't your policeman be a woman? Why can't your uh, politician be a woman? Why can't... And it it also adds in a depth immediately... Without you doing anything. Because all of a sudden, you're doing something that's, uh, oh, I, w- I wasn't expecting that character to be a woman. We we did, we have this movie called uh, The Night We Met. And uh, there was a, uh, a, a, I think it was a comment online or, or something after somebody had seen it. And they said they really appreciated the fact that a Latin man in the part of this, this uh, romance was the lead. Yeah. Was the lead. And well, it was that's a, not something we really even well, thought about. Well, yeah, it was at a film festival. It had girl, nothing to do with him being Latin. At a film festival. Right. This girl comes up to us and says, you know, I really appreciated that it was a Latin man, you know, who was the love interest. And it didn't have anything to do with him being Latin. We didn't talk about it. No. We didn't focus on it. Usually that's like... The whole thing. Like, like, like I'm white and you're Latin. How no, will people like, react? Like, it, like in La Bamba, that whole love story <laughs> right, was right, right. based on him being, you know, Latin and her being Ooh, a white girl. She was kind of making sandwiches in that movie. She does make sandwiches. <laughs> um, but, but that never crossed my mind. Like that literally never crossed my mind because I wasn't writing for any particular man. I wasn't writing for any particular race. Mm-hmm. I was just like making this love story. And when he auditioned, he was the right person. He was just the right person. You know you know who does women really well is uh, James Cameron. James Cameron has done a great job of uh, balancing his films. Titanic or The Abyss. You In know, The Abyss, I love The Abyss. Great, great balance of male-female characters. 
And and working in a natural way with each other. Right. You know? You know, that's the... Sarah Connor! Sarah Connor, of course. Oh, my God! Aliens! Alien. I mean... Alien. Yeah. I mean, just get it... Just some, somebody, first of all, one of the most successful filmmakers of all time, who I call the Leonardo da Vinci of film, just because he invents things so don't. that he can make movies. James Cameron really gets it. So don't tell me that it doesn't work, folks. Don't tell me that you can't create female characters. And honestly, you know, you know, I think we're even beyond that because really what Cameron did is just basically put a lot of male attributes into... You know, so that the women are like hard badasses. They don't have to be hard badasses. I'm going to be a little critical of James Cameron lately. Oh, Avatar? The the newest Avatar, The Way of Water. Okay, in all the promos and stuff, I was sold a bill of goods, which was that, you know, certain people were playing roles. Like, um... Oh, I know what you're talking about. What, What was her name? Kate Winslet? Yeah. I was sold a bill of goods that Kate Winslet was going to be in the movie, right? Right. And then I saw, like, all these things where she was, like, learning how to hold her breath for, like, seven minutes. Eight and a half minutes. Eight and a half minutes. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I can't wait to see what her character is. And she's basically, like, a mom who cries. Yeah. Okay. Really. She, that's, that's literally all she is. Yeah. She really is not. No, she, she, she does she, not have a lot to do. She She's not powerful. hardly anything to do. Yeah. And the the it, mom. Is she making Avatarian sandwiches? Yeah. <laughs> They're like fish sandwiches. Fish sandwiches. <laughs> um, Glowing fish sandwiches. Like fried calamari sandwiches. Um, and also the mom. You know, with her little bow, the the main the main mom. Right. Yeah. I don't. Natiri. Yeah. Yeah. Natiri. Right. Is also kind of like, I don't know. I feel absent from the movie. They do. The, he does focus on you know the teenage Sergoni Weaver right. character. He does do that, and and I wouldn't say that it's completely unfair, but I would say the two adult females kind of got short shrifted mm. you know why couldn't one of them have drugged the kid to say they're sorry mm. why does it have to be the dad taking authority all the time mm-hmm. and and i feel like there's some machismo leaking in there what is your opinion on the bechdel test which is the Be- the bechdel test is a test on female representation in film yeah it has to do with uh, are there at least two women that are talking well that are featured that are featured that are talking about something no besides a man okay are there two women featured right then when those two women talk right to each other are they talking about something besides a man are they talking about something other than the male character right and how basically almost all films fail this test yeah, it's like it's like you may have like two wives and maybe they factor into the story, but then when they're alone together and talking, do they just talk about their husband? Right. I mean, you go all the way back to, you know, something like Gone with the Wind. And unfortunately, Scarlett O'Hara when she's talking is talking about Red Butler, you know, when she's talking or about Ashley. a woman or at right, exactly. You know, it you know, the film, you know, even when you have two the women idea, talking. The idea that men, that, that, that women, the idea that women's lives 
revolve, revolve around, around men. Revolve around talking I, about men. I think that you should always keep the Bechdel test in mind. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think your film even has to pass it. But when you're writing, I think you should strive for that. Absolutely. That, you know, if they're just, if they're just talking about the men in their lives and like, he's not that into you. If they have no actual own life, own thought, then why are we bothering to write it? Why are we bothering? I absolutely, I absolutely agree. I think things... It's a device. I think, I think things like this are, they come up like, uh, you take the movie like The uh, Inconvenient Truth, you know, and it pisses people off to know how fucked the environment is. But Al Gore had to make a movie to show that. And I, and I feel like a lot of what people t- bitch about about being woke is that same vibe. You're pissed that somebody is exposing your misogyny, your racism, your homophobia. You know, the thing that you thought was okay is not okay. And it changes. <laughs> yes. Even when we were kids growing up, we called people in school things that we should not we call We played them a game. Called, I was playing a game called Smear the Queer. That was the name of the game. That's what we, we played it. it. It was in recess. That's what the name of the game was. Now, <laughs> I don't think at that time that was bad to say. But it's bad to say now. It changes. Right. We change and evolve. We recognize inequity and try to fix it. That If that's being woke, then let's all get woke, please. Absolutely, man. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm really excited to do this podcast with you because I don't I never really know exactly where we're going to end up with it and I'm really happy that we got this whole thing out about the sandwiches because the sandwiches thing just infuriates me let me say let me (laughs) me say this I was like you know researching like how to how to do a podcast you know I'm like on TikTok how to do a podcast and the first rule universally pretty much is like you know oh to know what your your episode's gonna be about and to have this kind oh, of structure. oh an outline and oh jeez like, th- there's no fucking way we're doing that no there's not just the no least. way no we're going to sit here we're going to have breakfast together we're going to have the conversations that you and i usually have right and maybe they're interesting and maybe people get something out well, of it. Well, and if I make you laugh and you make me laugh, that that that's all I care about. It's just a good morning. Yeah, I don't you know, whether or not you you guys are actually interested is you know kind of like icing on the cake to me. You know, hopefully hopefully you are. Um, but uh, please write your women characters well, please. <laughs> and if you don't know how to write women, start listening to them. Start paying attention to them. Start observing them. And even maybe reach out to them and ask them how they might respond in a situation. That just makes sense. I'm not saying anything because I'm just listening. It's hard not to get romantic about movies. Thanks for listening to Married to Movies. John and Tracy will meet you for breakfast tomorrow. Thanks to our sponsor, Movie Mode Merch. Comfortable graphic tees made by and for awesome filmmakers to wear on set and off. Check them out on Insta at Movie Mode Merch. <laughs>